This is the official Caps Church Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am back with another incredible episode of the official Caps Church Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking with me throughout the playoffs, even though the Washington Capitals aren't in it. And admittedly, episode releases have been sporadic. As I said in the past, once playoffs started, I'll be releasing them after every round. The The conference final round has finally concluded, actually quite quickly. And uh, we're back. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the matchups and things that, we, that I was able to see. But most importantly, there's actually a lot of really good league news going on right now. We're going to be talking about that. And uh, specifically revolving around the Washington Capitals and their recent hire of Spencer Carberry, uh, one of the shiny baubles on the coaching market uh, for the entire league, really. So let's pop some tabs. Let's get right into it. If you're an OG, you knew that. If you're new, welcome. Thank you. One, two, three. All right, just to start us off, man, I mean, Brad Living, Toronto's new newest GM, uh, if you didn't know, Kyle Dubas uh, decided to fuck off, I guess, and uh, he's now the Penguins' new GM. So, a bit of a, I guess, not so much of a twist. Like, as soon as Kyle Dubas said that he wasn't going to be the GM for Toronto next year, you had to know that the Penguins were just going to be sweating his balls on this one, for sure. The Penguins, they get all of the, the shiny GMs, the ones that are like, you know, they get all the all the, all the the good toys, if you will. Um, and they bought Kyle Dubas. Now, this is a guy who I am not... Look, I think he, he built a decent squad there in Toronto, and he's been there for a while, obviously. But... You look at Toronto when he came in and, you know, how they'd performed in the past. They're typically a very high-picking team in the draft because they haven't been making the playoffs previous to his tenure. Um, and, of course, you need to make use of those picks, but you constantly have those nice picks that you can, you know, stock the stock the stables, if you will, with thoroughbreds. Some of them turn out to be th- thoroughbreds. Others turn out to be absolute fucking donkeys. But at the same time, it's it's a different scene, right? So Kyle Dubas coming from a build, like, you know, really a build and go for a cup scenario to a team with a ton of established veterans. And, uh, you know, he's got to retool on the fly and make trades that are savvy and get a, get a team to go for a cup now. Now, I think that, that was always his goal in Toronto, obviously. But, and, and I think that he thought it was more in within their grasp than they've shown. And I think that a lot of the NHL and a lot of the NHL fans that are out there think that that the same way, right? Toronto is probably an underperforming team. They finally made it past the first round this year and then, you know, got stomped by Florida. So it's kind of a tough, uh, tough call. I wish nothing but the worst for the Penguins. Um, and now by, uh, by proxy, if you will, Kyle Dubas in the sense of professionally, Right. So I hope he fails. I hope he does a terrible job. I hope he sells to the farm. I hope he continues to level, leverage draft picks for lost causes like they did last year. Um, 
I have nothing nice to say about any of this. So if you're here looking for me to be like a good sport about this shit, no, not happening. Um, but I will say, look, Kyle Dubas, is, he's a hot GM. He's probably one of the hottest young GMs in the league. And, um, you know, looking past the Crosby, Malkin, Latang era, he's going to have to rebuild again and probably build through the draft, which he's got. You know, he's he's got chops doing that. He cut his teeth doing that. Um, and he's shown that he, he he's not afraid to make moves. So he will ship off a veteran. He will do things like that. Now, do I think that any of those three players that I mentioned, Malkin, Crosby, Latang, are on the chopping block? No, by, by no means. Now, it's kind of a little bit of a reverse uh, when we talk about the Penguins with the Caps because the Caps have their GM in place. Um he gets to he's this is his his coach hire right um he's been through you know you look at McClellan he's been through a couple coaches in his tenure which is I feel like every GM gets at least one coach right you get one coach change you get multiple roster moves like whatever it may be but uh you know McClellan has got a longer leash but I I slowly fully feel that that is being reeled in based upon the team's performance uh though Again, the Washington Capitals the past couple years have had every excuse in the book to not be successful, and lo and behold, they haven't been. Um, not trying, to, not saying that excuses are awesome or what we want, but or even acceptable, really. But at the same time, there's excuses that are valid. Now, with Hextall, apparently ownership for the Penguins thought that that was enough. I I kind of have to agree, and uh, they shipped him out. Now the coach in Pittsburgh is staying. Sullivan, much like McClellan, has won a cup too, um, and he's got the long leash, right? So the coach has the long leash in Pittsburgh. In DC, the GM has the long leash, and now we've got Dubis in the mix in Pittsburgh, and further on in the show, Spencer Carberry uh, for DC. But anyways, um, I'm really going off on a tangent here about the pins. Uh, and to be quite honest, I don't know what, what Kyle Dubas is going to do. I think he's got a tough situation, but I don't think it's completely foreign. I think he's totally qualified to do the job. I just hope he does it terribly. That's all. Back, though, to the original, Brad Living, the new GM for Toronto. Man, Toronto did not waste any time getting a GM, which... At this point in the season, you know, I'd said like a lot of these teams are going to be waiting until the cup's awarded, yada, yada, yada. Obviously, I was proven wrong there, but it's pretty much the case, right? You make it to the finals, your GM and your coach are probably safe unless you get swept or embarrassed or something crazy happens. I don't see that that happening. I think this finals matchup is going to go six or seven at least. Um, so, you know, I, I don't I don't see Maurice... And, and, uh, you know, uh, the name escapes me. Oh, Butch Cassidy, fucking douchebag. I don't see them being fired unless they absolutely shit the bed in the finals. But at the same time, uh, you know, I think that most of the league is also thinking like that. And they've, they've pulled the trigger on a lot of guys this week. So Brad Street Living, who I thought did a decent job in Calgary, uh, building that team. It just didn't work out. They couldn't get over the hump, whatever it may be. Uh, hockey's hard. And I thought he did a good job building that team in Calgary. So, you know, who knows what 
what he's going to be doing here uh, in Toronto. But it does seem like they're hoping this GM can get them over the finish line for a cup because Toronto's absolutely looking at win now territory. The Penguins, same way. Cap, same way. So it'll be interesting to see uh, a bit of a, a trade off there. <clears throat> Moving on, though, the, the New York Rangers have been courting several coaches. Now, Laviolette supposedly was replacing Gallant, who is out on his ass after this somewhat upsetting uh, playoff performance by the New York Rangers in this in this year's playoffs. But, you know, I think it's funny that Laviolette's a finalist for the Rangers squad, a team full of young studs. Uh, if you'll remember, Gallant was also in the running, a finalist for the coaching job in D.C. when Laviolette was hired three years ago, and it was a big to-do, right? There's a big debate, Gallant versus Laviolette, right? You know, when you only have two candidates, it's really easy to fucking pit, pit yourself against other fans. But um, there seems to be a lot, a little bit more of a deeper pool of coaches this year. And up till like today, and I'm recording on Wednesday, the 31st, the uh, the Rangers were pretty honed in on Laviolette. And I thought that it was ironic because, again, the whole stigma for dumbass DC fans is that Lavi didn't play the young guys. Well, the young guys weren't doing very well, and that's why I didn't play them. Uh, we can go on and on about that. But you look at the Rangers, and they're full, chock full of young studs looking for a cup right now, right? And Laviolette is that guy, right? He's He's got the pedigree. Gets the team to the finals in a couple years or the first year or the third year. And then it's up to the team to take him over the finish line. I I think it's just funny that Lavi was highly considered for the Rangers job with a bunch of young guys. Even though the stigma in DC is that he didn't play young players. Well, I don't think he had the good young players that he wanted is really what it is. And I agree with a lot of his moves. Um, especially regarding McMichael, who seems to be the big, you know, end-all, be-all for DC fans, unfortunately. But a big wrench was thrown into that today as John Hines was fired as Nashville's coach, who is GM'd now by Barry Trotz, uh, you know, and God, we trust Barry Trotz. And now John Hines is being looked at as the Rangers' next head coach and has, according to the buzz, overlapped. Laviolette as the number one candidate. Weird stuff. Um, I think, you know, I think Lavi is going to get picked up by another team, like easily. And he's probably going to get locked for three years. Like, I think that, I think his coaching career is safe. Uh, I said at the end of the season that Laviolette can walk away from the Washington Capitals organization held, head held high. He didn't get fired. He just didn't get re-upped in his next contract. And honestly, that's a Laviolette team. He's he's good for a few years and then, you know, say he loses the room or whatever you want. But ultimately, the thing is that his best results come early. He's really good at getting that initial buy-in and, and, and pushing teams to their limit. If that storyline where it didn't work out in D.C. does work out in New York, you got to think that if they do go with Lavi, he's there. The John Hines thing, I don't really understand. Now, I, I don't... I don't know much about John Hines, but the the big thing for me is that, you know, looking at pedigree and experience, I would say Lavi is much more qualified. But I guess Trotz uh, and Hines may have history or something. So 
We'll see. We'll see how that pans out. New York, the Rangers aren't aren't um, being very. They're the holding it close to the chest, if you will. So we'll see exactly how that how that goes. Uh, Brunette, Andrew Brunette, who was at one point looking to be positioned to be the next head coach of the New Jersey Devils, was hired as the head coach of the Presidents after they shit can John Hines. We talked last week about New Jersey staying with Lindy, or not last episode, uh, staying with Lindy Ruff, which I thought was a bit surprising. But apparently, um, that's Andrew Burnett is what Lindy Ruff needed to, I guess, push him and the squad to achieve what he did this season. You know, Lindy's a excellent coach, has a huge you know, a ton of experience with all sorts of phases in a team's life cycle. And he's absolutely proven the haters wrong. When Lindy Ruff got picked up by New Jersey, I laughed. Uh, Obviously, he shoved that right up my hoop. The organization put him to the test by adding Burnett, who was a head coach in Florida and was, you know, very much probably chomping at his heels to take his job. You know, Lindy's on his last year of his contract. Burnett comes in to spend the year as an assistant coach, power play guy. And, you know, Lindy is just like, this young guy is not going to take my fucking job, basically. And then makes New Jersey a wagon. And there it goes. So, apparently, I I would think that Burnett saw it and was like, you know, I'm going to be checking out other head coaching gigs. And he did. Gets hired uh, for the Preds. Um, and I'm sorry, it's, I think it's brunette that has history with trots. So, you know, um, there, there it is happened quick, man happened really quick, the firing and the hiring. So, you know, props to Barry, obviously he's got a lot of blood, sweat and tears in that organization. Uh, I don't think that the highs will ever match what he got with DC, but he obviously really loves the Nashville area. So there it is, man. Um, what a dramatic and, and revolving door of coaches and GMs in the NHL. One guy whose job is safe is Ron Francis. He will stay the Kraken GM until 2027 unless he gets fired. Um, I think that's a solid move. Is a two-year-old, you know, they made the playoffs this year, you know, whatever. I think they're doing good. So, cool to see Ron Francis staying in hockey, though. Obviously a legend in himself. And, uh... Anxious to see what he he can cook up there in Seattle. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> so for let's move on to the playoffs. First of all, I'm so glad I did not bet a single red penny in any of this stuff. I don't gamble anyways, but I'm glad I didn't even make a fucking bracket because it would have been busted after the first round. It seems like the distant past where we were talking about the Bruins going out and just running roughshod over everybody. Florida ruins that, and now they end up in the Stanley Cup final. They beat the Canes in seven games. Or I'm I'm sorry, they ended up beating the the Hurricanes. I had them in I had them winning in seven. Uh yeah, that ended up being a sweep, dude. I had the Canes winning in seven. Crazy that the Panthers sweep. Um, the Canes have been very banged up and obviously Rod Brindamore came out and was like, we didn't get swept. And he said that and 
I totally understand what he's talking about when, when as a Caps fan, <laughs> what he means is his team did play very close. And in fact, in most nights, outperformed and held the puck more and shot more at the net, got more shots on goals than the Panthers. But the Panthers were opportunistic and, you know, you get four shots at it and you, and, and you get swept. I will not tolerate any Rod the Bod slander. I love that dude. But at the same time, I understand the optics of it are poor. Uh, on the other hand, I totally understand what he's saying. So I'm a little bit more sympathetic than a lot of uh, people on the Bird app were for Rod Brindamore. In any case, Panthers went on in, in, in four. It's wild. The Eastern Conference, I thought, was going to be a stalwart, a bloodbath. And in fact, after Boston takes that out, it's just, it, it opened the entire conference up to whoever, you know, survival of the fittest. <clears throat> the Knights versus the Stars series. I had the, the Stars in six, ended up the Knights in six, and the Stars didn't even show up, got blown out like six nothing in the last game. Crazy stuff. I, and, and mostly I was picking the Stars based upon my hatred of the Knights. And I know, I know that's probably not the smart thing to do, but... Uh, you know, there we have it. We've got the Vegas Knights versus the Florida Panthers in a Stanley Cup final. Who'd have thunk it? If you had that on your bracket, I mean, hats off to you. I don't know who you are, but you must be some sort of genius because I think that nobody saw this coming. And other than like a randomizer, this that, that's the only way that this was even spouted into the universe, this type of matchup. On the other hand, so, so you know, obviously, I have my apprehensions about this matchup because I've quickly grown to hate the Panthers. Uh, why? I don't know. Probably roots back to being ousted in the first round by him. Um, but, you know, before then, I really had, they were the whipping boys of the Southeast Division. Remember that? Uh, I mean, Roberto Luongo once played for the Florida Panthers. How crazy is that? Do you even remember that? You know, well, I think a lot of people, when they think about Luongo, they think about uh, Vancouver. But in the same time, the, the Panthers have gotten to the finals before and to be swept. And I think that's probably the only other time they've been. I'm not a big Panthers historian. But uh, both of these teams are whoever wins is going to win their first Stanley Cup in franchise history uh, of the next of this Stanley Cup final. So obviously for me, it's anybody but the Knights. So I'm picking the Panthers and I hope that my poor history in picking team and picking teams to win is not going to be carried through to this, but I am picking the Panthers and I'm going to say they're going to do it in seven. The, you know, this was literally my final option of the two worst teams of the final for me personally, in my opinion. Um, and again, that's just me being a homer, but as an objective hockey fan, you have to think this is awesome. You know, I think it still touts this, this example really just exemplifies, if you will, the, the NHL as the, league with the most parity in all of major sports in North America. Uh, I guess you could throw in like the, like lacrosse, but that's, I don't think that's a major sport yet. You know, you're looking at the big four, uh, 
or big three at least, you know, um, well, big four, you know, baseball, hockey, basketball, and football, I think that hockey is the most competitive and has the most parity, and I think that this shows it. So, sick league, straight up. It's good for the sport. It's good for the sport. Now, I don't want to see the Knights win. I want them to suffer more. I think that they need at least five to six more years of, of failure before I feel that they deserve a cup. Um, they, and I've, this is, I've beat on this trope forever, but they have, were gifted this team. GM shit the bed uh, during the first expansion draft and the, the Vegas Knights never, never looked back. George McPhee, ex, uh, ex cap GM really just held other GMs and the whole league at large over a barrel and did an expert job of, of just milking everyone for draft picks for other picks. And it still had a very competitive team, the entire existence, three year, four year existence now of, uh, of the golden Knights. So good for him. All right, so the finals do start June 3rd. You'll probably be tuning in. I'll be tuning in. Big rest time. I mean, it's like a week off. Both these teams are going to be ready to go. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that we're going to see some really good hockey. And that's what matters. And we have no, I have no true dog in the fight. I just want to see the Knights lose. And that'll be it. I'm happy for it. So, good stuff. Love hockey. Love the NHL. End of story. <clears throat> All right. We got a lot to talk about in Washington Wraparound. Uh, very, very intense stuff. But first, I do have to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's light the lamp during hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make $5, make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. And sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. There's tons to bet on. Uh, you can do all sorts of things on DraftKings. Definitely, you know, you can do all sorts of like proxy bets and things like that. Um, check them out. Use THPN. Probably don't listen to me on picks because my, my track record this year has been bad. But... Go ahead and drop that $5 and then get 150 in bonus bets instantly. That's with the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org in New York. Call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas City, 21 older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific gambling resources. Additionally, I've got another uh, Raycon ad. Thanks to our sponsors, Raycon, right here. Uh, if you're watching the stream right there, I made a little placard for him. Uh, you know, let's face it, with coffee starting at $5, yes, even without any customizations, our bank account somehow is always depleting. We are officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing, but are priced differently, solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate or dupe is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on. 
Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point so you can listen to what you want when you want without breaking the bank. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than what you would with some of the other more big name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 a checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews, three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips, the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear quality, and water and sweat resistant, plus eight hours of playtime. Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash THPN for 15% off. Thank us later, Caps fans. You know, we're always out here at the Hockey Podcast Network trying to get you deals, and here we are just giving you all, all the loot. So go ahead, do that for me. Helps us, helps you, win-win situation. Like I said, thank us later. All right, let's talk about Caps, the Caps and the Washington Wraparound. All right, so Spencer Carberry, ever heard of this guy? The Caps' new head coach, who was an assistant in Toronto before taking this head coaching job, which makes sense as the only two teams left have, you know, Shitbird, Butch Cassidy, and Paul Maurice coaching. I don't think they're going anywhere, like I said earlier. Um, you know, these, they, they're locked in. I think teams are ready to make the decision, and the Washington Capitals, I think, chose wisely. This is a big move. Carver is an insane pedigree, winning accolades as top coach in both the Coast and the A. And he's been looking looked at as like the next young premier bench boss in the show. Uh, as a player, he really peaked out as an ECHLer. Uh, played for the Stingrays, but obviously did not let that did not let him or stop him from a- achieving a lot as a coach. <clears throat> His coaching career started with the Stingrays as an assistant after only a year. He was promoted head coach at the age of 29, which made him the youngest head coach in the league at the time. 29, man. I mean, that's to be a head coach of a hockey organization, a professional hockey club, even if it is the coast. Good stuff. After five years and winning coach of the year in the ECHL, he left to do a stint in the OHL with the Saginaw Spirit and then got an assistant job in the AHL with the Providence Bruins. Before he left uh, the Stingrays, he was the all-time winningest coach for the franchise. It was really a two-year stint away from the Washington Capitals organization. He then boomeranged back to the Caps org as the head coach of the Bears, where he won coach of the year there. He would go on to spend a few years with the Bears before being bought by the Leafs in 2021. Now, the caveat to that was that he had just signed an extension for the Bears. He wanted to stay. He had a few years left. He He was ready, but the Leafs saw some potential hired him as the assistant coach. He ran the power play for Toronto, which was second in the league last year. Now, lots of firepower there, but at the same time, uh, you got to know what to do with those studs. Got to put them in the right position and get them to buy into your system. I would hope that he can do that for the Washington Capitals and reignite their power play as Blaine Forsyth is gone. 
Uh, he's now boomerang back as the head coach of the Caps. He's had a very impressive career. You know, 41 years old, four-year coaching deal for the Caps, and a ton of work to do. He has to position Ovi to break the record while building the team's, like, you know, while making sure the team moves forward and competitiveness through the Ovi era. So, interestingly enough, he's got one year post-OV contract. Once Ovi's contract expires, he's still got a year. So, he's got to be laying groundwork right now for, a, you know, developing players and getting guys NHL ready for when Ovechkin eventually retires. Um, same with Backstrom and, and, you know, Carlson and these guys and even Kuznetsov, though. We're locked in a little bit longer to the to them. Um <clears throat> like I said, in, in Toronto, he ran the power play. I'm, I'm hoping to see Ovi with a 55-60 goal season next year based upon that information. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? He's only like 72 goals away. So if he can drop in another 50 next season, good God. It's just patent stats the next few years. That's what I want. Ultimately, that's probably what I want the most out of this guy, Spencer Carberry. But as far as also being a, you know, somebody that's going to make the team competitive, if Ovi is scoring, the team's going to be competitive, right? You at least you would think. So overall, I think it's a good to great hire. It speaks volumes also about the Washington Capitals organization. That's something that we should be proud of, fans. Come on, you know. You don't want to. You don't want to be a fan of an organization that's trash like Chicago. Uh, you know. You don't want to. Phantom aside, you know. I mean, Homerism aside, you, you want an organization that treats their people right, and you want to be a fan of that organization. And I think the Washington Capitals have done that by all accounts. Players, uh, beat writers, people that I've talked to about the Caps organization say they just do hockey right. They they know how to treat people and and they're a good organization to work for clearly spencer carberry felt that i think he probably could have was probably on people's lists for all of these head coaching vacancies i'm sure he was on many lists but he ended up you know i think it really kind of came down to him and halpern jeff halpern dmv native maryland though um and ultimately I think that the Washington Capitals got a guy who has head coach experience in the past, a lot of it, where Halpern does not. Um, Halpern was a pretty elite player too, so Carberry was not. And typically, you you see these great head coaches who were who did not make it into the NHL or had a cup of coffee there. They weren't studs, except for like Rod Brindamore. <laughs> there, there's there's. There's guys out there that, that had a long NHL career who are also NHL coaches, but a lot of times you see some of the greats really not be NHL players. Instead, and and I think that that's kind of why like Gretzky was not a great coach. Uh, these things come naturally to these studs, right? They never really had to think too hard about. And again, I I don't know. They maybe they did. I'm not. I'm but but as far as my um, my take on it is that maybe they didn't need to think so much about the game. The game just came to them, right? It was it was very easy for them. It was natural. These are you know, if you will, God given talents that has 
that has given them all of these things is their natural ability to make them studs on the ice. Now, when they get into a head coaching role and they really have to dissect play and they have to make calls and they have to understand the management of this game and things like that, they were just like, dude, I just hopped over the benches and something took over and and hopped over the board. Something took over and I, I, I netted a hat trick and won the game for the team, right? They're not thinking about like, what movements, the minutia, the detail uh, in their game. And that's what makes great players great. But that's why I think that great players do not always translate into great coaches. I think that's probably sports-wide. All sports are like that, I think. So, and specifically so in, in hockey, where the details are just so important. And that extra effort and, and where to where to assert yourself and where to stay in the play. I mean, it's just so important for a head coach to understand and be able to communicate. So, all in all, Spencer Carberry has boomeranged twice back to the Caps organization. You know, this, as of, as of now, I mean, it just seemed kind of written, destined to be like this. So, uh, and, and on top of that, you got to think, like, like I said, he's probably getting other offers. This is a highly competitive arena to be a head coach in the NHL, right? So, super happy to see him pick the Washington Capitals. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, Jeff Halpern didn't get the job. But at the same time, uh, you know, objectively speaking, if you, you know, if you weren't a Halpern fan before or didn't know and, and knew his history as a player with the Washington Capitals, you look at Spencer Carberry and you just look at their resumes and side by side. Halpern's done a great job in, in Tampa Bay. Uh, he's learned a lot, I'm sure, but he's never held the head coach position. Uh, Carberry has like seven, eight years of that experience as a head coach. So when we talk about rookie head coaches, yes, he is a rookie head coach, but he's not the rookie head coach that Dale Hunter was. Uh, he's not the rookie head because, you know, Dale Hunter was GM and head coach of a juniors team, highly competitive juniors team, does a great job developing players, things like that plays the defensive grind of junior hockey. Uh, but And then you look at Adam Oates, who never even had a coaching job. Uh, so this is as unrookie as a rookie head coach gets in the NHL, I think. So he's come up right, and I'm very excited about this whole thing. Now, just because I'm excited about Spencer Carberry does not mean I'm stepping down from my take on Laviolette. I thought he was the good, the right choice at the time. I wanted him to, in three years, win us a cup and get the hell out of here. I didn't even think that he would get extended, even if he did win a cup. Um, I, just, I didn't know. Uh, but at the time, between Gallant and Lavi, I think that we picked the right guy. I think that the rest of the NHL thinks that as well. As you see, Gallant, unfortunately, has moved on from the Rangers. And that's a vacant spot that Laviolette is literally interviewing for and is a top candidate for. And... At the time, I thought it would work. A good veteran coach, veteran players, you got a win-now squad, a little bit past their prime, if you will. It, he was the right guy at the time. I think Spencer Carberry is the right guy at this time. I like it. I like the I like the head coach hire. He's going to be under scrutiny, though. He's got a lot to prove. He's got to have a great camp. He's got to have a solid lineup. Even if I question the lineup in, uh, after day one, I'm going to have to defer to him because that lineup can change. He can pull guys up. He can send guys down. Um, and I guess for all of you titty whiners, we're looking now at players like Proto, Snively, McMichael, uh, LaPierre, 
all of these guys who people thought should be in the lineup last year and they were wrong have had an entire year in Hershey to develop. Good call, Lavi. And now they're they're fighting for a, a Calder Cup. So ultimately, I think Spencer Carberry is also put in a better position than Lavi was. Again, we would have never known the injury bug, all that stuff. We would have never known that stuff when Lavi started because that's not how it was. Obviously, injuries hit big. We've had especially last year, it was terrible. But the year before that wasn't great either. So Lavi was dealt a bad hand, and that's why he's still in the mix for other head coaching jobs. But back to Spencer Carberry, pumped. We got we got the uh, the if not the premier coach overall. Definitely the premier new head coach. The guy that every team, probably, a lot of teams at least in the league, would have given a shot as a head coach. And we locked him in for four years, which is notably one year longer than Laviolette's contract. So the organization has a ton of belief in this. I literally think that Brian McClellan is betting his job on Spencer Carberry. He's had a couple coach changes already. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is GM... This is McClellan's third coach. So he's got to get it done. Um, Yeah, that's what I'll say. Pumped. Absolutely pumped to see this. And excited to see what moves are made by McClellan with Carberry's input. And hey, maybe there's an in there with Toronto. You know, maybe there's some top six forward guys that may need to come over from Toronto based upon... Carberry's experience with them or maybe not maybe he says it's a bad idea that's a good that's also just as valuable as getting the guy right getting somebody from Toronto uh in the top six so uh very excited to see what he can do what's he what's he cooking up happy to see it it just happened so I wouldn't expect any groundbreaking news within the next couple weeks uh at least through the finals but uh, I definitely think there's going to be some sellers in the offseason. I think the Washington Capitals are absolutely going to be buyers. So happy for it. Some little, some funny news. Ovi applied for rights to the phrase Russian machine never breaks in Russia alone. So, you know, it would be hilarious if he got it and made a website of note, changed their name. But unfortunately, that's he's only doing it in Russia and it's mainly for his work in Russia for his hockey academy. So it likely will not move over to the United States, but, uh, that would be hilarious. Um, last thing, Hershey, just a little tidbit on it. Tight series right now with the Rochester Americans. They're up three games at two, had an opportunity to close it out last night. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Four to one was the loss, but they returned to Rochester for game six. They've got that and another opportunity to, to make it right and move on to the finals and compete for that Calder Cup. So good luck to Hershey. You know, the guys who are who are per- performing well and of are of note are the same guys that you know about. Alexei Protas, McMichael is not doing bad. Snively, big player there, you know. Um, and Pilon, you know, those guys are there. There's a lot of people or a lot of players who are really coming into their own in Hershey. And... Going back to like, why didn't we play younger players? They just weren't ready, man. And I mean, even if they were marginally ready, that means you're still not ready for the NHL. I don't believe. So this is great. I love to see this 
performance in Hershey. It shows that the the squad that you have there is primed and ready to take the next step, especially if they win a championship together. You know, uh, I would expect some of these guys to make a bottom six role, especially Protoss. I think Protoss is going to be a uh, night in, night out, 82 game player next season. I um, would love, obviously, you know, I shit on McMichael a lot, man, but like ultimately, I would love to see McMichael score 40 to 60 points in the, in a bottom six role or even a, a, a middle six role. Um, and then you've got Snively, the DMV stud. He, I think is more impressive than McMichael at this point. I would love to see him get some, get some time. I'd love to see him despite the lack of Canadian pedigree or whatever it may be, not coming from a hockey head hotbed. I would love to see him mixing it up on the third and fourth line this next season. So, you know, the, the situation seems dire right now with what we need. And I agree. We will need to run the trade wire. We will need to instill some more offense, maybe even a defenseman. Um, but as far as the homegrown prospects, I would love to see someone, at least one, if not all, these guys surprise us this next season. Come to camp full of piss and vinegar, ready to make this team. So that's my take. Good luck to Hershey. They have all of our hopes. And uh, Caps fans, I really do appreciate you sticking with me. I'm glad that you come back and listen, even though that I haven't been releasing a lot of, of content, partially because there's not a lot to talk about right now. Uh, so these, uh, instead of just, you know, pontificating like an asshole on here, I'm glad that uh, I have a lot to talk about when I do release episodes. And I'll be back with you after the Stanley Cup is is uh, awarded. We'll probably end up talking about the draft as well, who we draft. And, um, of course, as news drops, we'll sporadically be releasing episodes throughout the summer. So hope the golf game's good for all of you. Hope that you're enjoying the summer. Thanks for tuning in and sticking with me. And until next episode, after the Stanley Cup is awarded, Hockey Troll, signing off. Hey Caps fans, thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp Podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle, at Caps Chirp, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network, at HockeyPodNet on social, and TheHockeyPodcastNetwork.com, the Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.